So we are concluding a four-part series this morning called The Con. And we have been kind of looking at and sort of unpacking over the last few weeks the lies of Satan. And of course, these lies are not an exhaustive list of the lies that the enemy can whisper in our ear, so to speak. You might say these are some of his most effective lies. These are some of the lies that maybe uh, affect the most people. You might even say his greatest hits. And so as we've looked at, at these, uh, we have looked at a, lot of, uh, at a lot of ways that the devil wants to throw us off. But we've also looked at the truth of God's Word in Scripture and what God's Word does to answer those lies. And Daryl, in his communion meditation, uh, just a little while ago, mentioned a court. And we're actually going to sort of talk about a court today. And we're going to get to that here in just a little bit while. But first, I want us to jump right in to uh, Revelation uh, chapter 12. I'm going to begin with verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. I'm going to pause there for just a moment because John, the author of Revelation, then paints it very clearly, doesn't he? That there's this war in heaven. And Michael, the archangel, the leader of the angels, the most powerful of angels, leads this sort of heavenly army against this dragon. And then John tells us who the dragon is. The devil. Satan. And that he and his angels, what happened to them, church? They were cast out. John paints it very clearly. He had a revelation. He had a vision. And in that vision he sees that the devil and his angels were not what, church? They weren't strong enough. Now, I begin with this this morning just to remind us of where strength lies. Yeah, strength lies in God. Let's never, ever forget that. That God is more powerful than any other force in the universe. And so verse 10, Then I heard a voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not 
love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. In the musical Hamilton, and some of you I know have uh, gone to Nashville to TPAC uh, to see it recently while it's, it's been uh, playing there. And so uh, there is this uh, sort of refrain that keeps coming up in the musical. Why do you write like you're running out of time? And he, Alexander Hamilton's wife, because is noticing how much time he is spending writing, writing, writing all the time. And if you know, you know, uh, that his life did end early. And so when you know that your time is short, it makes you do things in a different way. When you know that time is limited, it creates a deep sense of urgency, doesn't it, church? And so John in Revelation there is telling us very clearly that the devil knows that his time is short. And so what does he do? He's going to lie to us like he's running out of time. He is motivated because that is the only weapon in his arsenal. He does know the desires of our hearts and therefore he tempts us accordingly. And that brings us now to lie number seven in this series. Your past will define you. And I know that over the almost decade that I've been with this body, this has on my, been on my heart at different times. And I believe God puts it there for a reason. Because I feel like, I get a sense with this body that there are some who wrestle with this on an ongoing basis. That they are held back by their past. And the devil wants us to think that, doesn't he? I'm reminded of Paul writing to the Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, you know, I press on toward the goal, forgetting what is behind. And I always use that illustration. You're sitting in a car. Which is bigger, church? The windshield or the rearview mirror? Well, of course, we know it's that windshield. Why is a car designed that way? Because what is in front of you is way, way, way more important than anything that is behind you. Anything that will appear in that rearview mirror. And the truth of God's Word says, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. When you're baptized into Christ, your sins are left in the water. Now, I wish it was so so simple that we were baptized into Christ and we're just going to be perfect from then on. 
we're just going to be perfect. We will never be tempted again. We will never give in to temptation again. Our hearts are going to be so beautifully pure that no temptation would ever affect us again. But we know that that's not the truth. But church, please believe me when I say that when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, it wasn't just for the sins of that day. It was for the sin of all of humanity, past, present, and future. Church, Jesus shed his blood on the cross to cover the sin of all humanity, past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. Yeah. That his blood was shed on the cross. Not just for somebody's sins, but for everybody's sins. All we're required to have is a heart that doesn't want to sin. A heart that hates our sin. The old has gone. The new is here. I hope you believe that truth of God's Word. And we look back in Job. Because something I want us to be aware of uh, from Revelation 12 is that Satan loses... But also, it was mentioned there at least twice that Satan is an accuser. Satan is an accuser. And we're reminded of that in Job chapter 1. Beginning with verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Now do you see what's going on there? Satan's trying to tempt God. Don't miss that, church. He's saying you stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, he'll surely curse your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Think about that for a second. Who gave Satan the boundaries? It was God, wasn't it? God doesn't stretch out his hand. He's not tempted by Satan. But God says, okay, I will show you. Now, does Job fall short in some ways? 
Absolutely he does. If you read those 40 some odd chapters, absolutely Job falls short. But he never curses God. As a matter of fact, you if you dig through that book, there's that beautiful declaration where Job says that I know my Redeemer lives and that I will lay my eyes on Him at some point. After all he had been through, after all the grief and suffering, Job still has the presence, has the faith to say, I know my Redeemer lives. But church, let's not miss this. Satan is an accuser. That's his role in all this. He is in the role of the prosecuting attorney. Now, if you've been with us a while, you know I like my courtroom dramas. And two that came to mind were A Few Good Men. That unforgettable scene, if you've ever seen the movie, and it was actually originally a play before it was made into a movie, but where Tom Cruise's character, Lieutenant Caffey, is hammering away at, at, at the colonel, played by Jack Nicholson. And then, you know, even if you haven't seen the movie, you might remember the previews, you might know that that famous line, you know, I want the truth. And then, of course, what does Jack Nicholson reply? You can't handle the truth. And then he goes to that that lengthy little monologue there about, you know, you can't stomach what we have to do in defending this nation. But of course, Tom Cruise's character is not concerned at that moment about defending a nation. He's concerned about keeping two Marines out of prison for the rest of their lives because they're being accused of murder. And then it got me to thinking, how often in a courtroom drama are we really rooting for the prosecuting attorney? Now in real life, yeah, we like the idea that prosecutors put away the bad guys. But I think in courtroom dramas, the reason that we lean toward the defense attorney is because we know down deep that we're all guilty of something, right church? That if we had to stand trial for our sins that the prosecutor would be able to name some truths And so, yeah, even in one that's a bit more comedy-oriented, like My Cousin Vinny, where we hear about the two Utes, but even then, there's that defense attorney defending those two young men from a crime that they did not commit. And so we're grateful at the end of these courtroom dramas 
where the prosecutor, the accuser, loses and the defense attorney wins and the accused get to walk free out of that courtroom. Because we know that someday, and maybe you haven't given it much thought, but Scripture does tell us that we're going to have to give an answer for everything we've ever done. And so we know that we're going to need a good defense attorney. And Scripture has named two on our behalf. The Holy Spirit and Jesus. Church, I will take my chances with that defense team any day of the week between now and the time my life ends or Jesus returns to take us home. I will take my chances. The Godhead three in one Father, Spirit, Son, and yet the Father is so loving that even though He will stand as the judge, He has given us the two greatest advocates in the entire universe. What an amazing thing that is. And so we come to lie number eight, the final in this series. You're not good enough. Wonder how many times we've heard that. How many times we've thought that. And if you're sitting here this morning and you honestly cannot relate to that lie, then consider yourself blessed. I can. I can. The number of times that I have felt inadequate, inadequate to do so many different things in life. I have felt inadequate as a husband. I have felt inadequate as a father. There are times in life I've felt inadequate or ill-equipped as an employee. There are times I've felt inadequate as a brother in Christ. And you better believe I have felt inadequate as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we have a God who says, you're not alone. It's not about your own adequacy because I am right here with you and church family I hope we can all take comfort in that that brings us to Romans chapter 8 the last of these three sections of scripture we're going to look at today I'm going to jump in here at verse 33 who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah. Nothing separates us from that love. It's a choice freely given. It's a choice that we make. Are we going to love God the way He loves us? Or are we going to not? Oh church, I hope the answer is yes. We're going to love God the way He loves us. And so, we've looked at these lies. I'm just going to sit there, but there's flower waste there. Okay, there was a flower arrangement and it, it died. Uh, but it looked good Monday night. Uh, I'm sitting with you. And... What I want us to do this morning, as we have gone over the last four weeks, some of the lies of Satan. Did he really say that? That thing he whispers that, hey, that rule that you're thinking about, that thing that you're thinking you're not supposed to do right now, that's that's not really a rule, that's not really a thing, it's okay, you can go ahead and do that. Or don't tell the truth. Don't don't tell the truth. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. That sin that you're wrestling with. And there's that voice that you might hear that says, Hey, no biggie. It's not that big of a deal. No one needs to know. Remember, church, why that one's so valuable to the devil? Because as long as we keep it inside, then he has it over us. He has power over us insofar as we keep things a secret. James 5 reminds us to confess our sins one to another. That when we confess our sins to someone we trust with our stuff, our baggage, then Satan's power is gone. We have removed his power because that which was in the dark has now seen the light of day. He won't forgive that. We talked last week about the life of David, the life of Paul about what they were guilty of and yet look what great things they both did for God's kingdom. David called a man after God's own heart. 
you're the only one. Now that's an effective lie right there simply because if we think we're the only one, then how likely are we to confess that sin to someone? Not very, are we, church? But that's a lie. We unpacked every one of these with Scripture. We refuted every one of these with Scripture. And then this morning, your past will define you. And that is simply not true. Oh, sure, in small-town America, where people tend to know your business, yeah, some might remember something that happened five years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. Who cares? Who cares? Because if you are a beloved child of God, that sin is forgiven. And it was forgiven long ago. Don't live under the yoke, under the burden of something that God forgave a long, long time ago. Don't let that hold you down. And then what we just said a few minutes ago, you're not good enough. Here's a little exercise for us this morning. And it's not going to be comfortable. And I even thought about saying, hey, Lindsay, cut it off right here. But I'm not going to do that. Because if there's one person that watches the series on YouTube and can be encouraged by what we're about to do, then to God be the glory. To God be the glory for that. Now, most of you are not on camera. Those of you down front, yeah, you are. But I'm here with you. God is here with you. And so as, as I read these, if you've ever heard this lie even once, I want you to stand. I want you to stand for just a moment. So, if you've ever heard, did he really say that? Stand up. Yeah. Alright, you can sit down. If you've ever heard, don't tell the truth, stand up. As a preacher, as your preacher, you better believe I've heard this one. Yeah. All right. Oh. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. If that's one you've wrestled with, yeah. How about no one needs to know? He won't forgive that. If that's one you've wrestled with. How about you're the only one? Yeah. Your past will define you. And finally, you're not good enough. 
Thank you all. It's a moment of honesty, isn't it? It's a moment of transparency. It's a moment of saying, here I am, beloved child of God, but I know that the accuser is real. And I have been accused by him. But church family, let's never forget the goodness of God. Let's never forget God's infinite capacity to forgive. Let's never forget why we gather around this table every Sunday morning. 52 times a year. We gather around this table to remember, to say thank you, Jesus, for being willing to lay down your life. He could have defended himself. He could have called an army from heaven. That same army that defeated Satan the first time. And he could have called him. But he didn't. Because he was thinking about you. And you. And you. And you. And he was thinking about me. He was thinking about all those that had come before us. All those that would come after us. And he shed his blood freely for the sins of all. And praise God that he did. And so I leave us with this truth from God's word, Isaiah 1.18. I love this idea. I love this. Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isn't that beautiful, church? Isn't that absolutely beautiful? And an almighty Father who could speak a universe into existence says, Come... Let's settle this. Let's settle this once and for all. There's no more discussion needed about this. There's there's no more discussion needed. Your sins are like crimson, but I've made them white as snow. The church family, as we close out the con, let us see the con for what it is. It's just... Carefully packaged lies. And it can only hurt us if we believe them. Oh, we're going to hear them. We can't, we can't stop that from happening. We're going to hear the lies. But they only hurt us if we buy into them. If we believe them. If we take them to heart. And if we let those lies those untruths if we let them hold us back from being everything that we can be for God's kingdom. If it can hold us back from loving and serving in the name of Jesus. When that happens, then Satan has won, at least temporarily. 
we have to be people who say, no, no. Get behind me, Satan. Just, just get behind me. Because I know the truth. And you are nothing but a liar. If you're with us today and you don't want to buy into the lies anymore, we offer salvation through the blood of the Lamb. We give you the opportunity to come down the aisle to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the waters of baptism are available. And if you're with us this morning and you need the prayers of a body of believers, then we're here for that reason as well. Steve, let's stand and sing. If you walk with